You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and at David B. Walker. He joins us once again this Friday. David, I would ask how you're doing. Hopefully the Hornets games don't affect your mood too much because it was really bad to have to go through that last night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, general, that's a general consensus just about where I am right now. It's, it's, been, it's been one. It's been a week, guys. It's been a week. I mean, I'm with you. It just, it's been kind of a crazy week for me as well. And the Hornets just giving us that awful, awful game last night. It didn't do anybody any favors. 11 points in the first quarter, Charlotte mm-hmm. scored against Brooklyn. And this was a team that did not have Blake Griffin. That of course doesn't have Kevin Durant because he's been out for a while now and they don't have James Harden. It seemed like this was going to be a winnable game and Kyrie Irving was going to be the only star, which is still well attainable. I mean, that is a contest. You can certainly one go in and play better than you did, but also have a a shot to win. If you have that overtime loss against the Phoenix suns and you beat them before that the Hornets have beaten good teams. And this was one of the worst games that we have seen from them all season long. It reminds me a little bit of that Cleveland game, but even in the fourth quarter of that Cleveland game, Terry kind of went flames again and helped them at least make the score respectable. You have an awful score here. You have an awful beginning to the game. No one stepped up offensively. It, no one did. You know, Terry had 12. Devonte had 13. Gordon had 13. It was awful. So whoo, uh, where do you guys want to start? Not I'll, I'll start with you. It, are, are you going to take this victory lap or are you going to be in pain with us as well? Despite you kind of predicting this. I told you so. Uh, like, don't. That, that's where I'm going with this. Why did I, I, tell I told you, you so. I love it. Like I warned you that this was going to happen. And again, this is why I don't care to have national not national games because national games only matter or are only important if you win them. The Hornets are not in the stage of their not in the stage of the rebuild where you feel confident that if they get a national game, they're going to win. That we got lucky again. They got lucky with the New Orleans Pelican New Orleans Pelicans Hornets game, and you know what? I'm just hoping they stay competitive with Boston. That's the only thing. That's the last thing I want to see is that Sunday ap- Sunday afternoon game where Kemba Walker comes strolling in the spectrum to burn the place that he helped build and keep the lights on down. So you and know are what? We just are we going to ignore that you tweeted me? Are we getting into no excuses territory? Are we just going to ignore that for your narrative? Mm. Not. You know what? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. We're. I figured we were. Yeah, no, no, we mean. are. No, no, we are. Like at, at this point, I again, it's this is an I told you so situation. <laughs> I, I and, and you know what though? Here's the uh-huh. thing. I would just say that this is something we already kind of knew about this team. Like there's a cap to the talent of this team this year. They're sure. only going to be so good and against the elite teams. We've seen this. Denver set them on fire. Um, Brooklyn 
this time set them on fire. Philadelphia has set them on fire. Utah has set them on fire twice. The Lakers have set them on fire. Like, against elite teams, this team is not good enough defensively to compete. And you know what? Okay, that's great. It's year 2.5 of a rebuild. There's nothing to take too, too much about this. But fans need to start having, like, I'm not saying lower expectations. No, actually, I am saying lower expectations. But um, at this point, I just don't know what you guys expect. This team can't compete against elite teams, and that's okay. So, Nada, do you think these are just the not ready for primetime Hornets? Are you placing all of this on the TNT show? Like, they just didn't show up. It was in their head. Are you are you saying that's that's where they went, or they just couldn't stack up against Brooklyn? Because I think they could stack up against that Brooklyn team. I mean, uh, Kyrie is otherworldly, but, I mean, Jeff Green destroyed you last night, and LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, got in the time machine and, and went to work. So, you know, I didn't expect them just to not at all show up. Well, that's fair, but I would also t- I would also like put it this way: this team against elite elite teams can do what they want, and mm-hmm. el- basically, when you see Jeff Green get open three after open three after open three, yeah. and then you see Joe Harris get open three after open three after open three. Shamit, yeah, Shamit got him too. Like there weren't. There were Hornets that they were all up. <laughs> exactly. When you have thirteen for twenty, when when you're shooting thirteen from twenty one from three, that's a defensive problem, point blank. You don't have the personnel against those kind of teams to where you can compete. And unfortunately, it showed up again last night. There's just a talent cap with this team against certain teams. You don't expect them to compete, and that's just going to have to be okay for this year at least. Well, and especially if they're not hitting anything. If no one can make a shot or get a rebound, you're screwed. <laughs> and they were screwed from the get-go last night. I mean, you it sucks to watch a game and just know that it's over within the first two minutes, and that one was. And so it's disappointing to be on national TV and do it that way. Um, you know, Chris Weber said over and over and over again a lot of stuff. But he said over and over, over again that uh, – <laughs> That that you know the Nets were not at full strength, which is true. So that's that's why I think it's it's disappointing. But yeah, I, I'm with you, uh, not on just the fact that we look back at that West Coast trip when they got blown out by the Lakers and the Nuggets, and that's what I came away with that they're just not there yet when against these elite teams. Um, without those guys last night, I thought they did have a little bit more of a chance to stay in it, but they didn't play their best game, and their best players played horribly. So that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I agree with you, David, to the fact that Brooklyn was not the normal Brooklyn. You take James Harden and you take Kevin Durant off that roster and it's massively different, just like any other team would be. And so when you're talking about the Nets starting Jeff Green, Joe Harris, who I like, Bruce Brown, who was a nice glue guy, he got 14 points for the Nets last night. Aldridge literally played his first game and gave you... A triple double kind of like numbers with nine rebounds and six assists, 11 points. And then you go to the bench and Tyler Johnson, 15, five of seven. (laughs) I mean, that that's the point. This was just Mm. a bad, awful, no good, terrible game from the Charlotte Hornets on both sides. I mean, yeah, not a no doubt defensively awful. Okay. Three pointers galore for everybody. And they all got a red carpet to shoot them. But offensively, you're right too. Or I think offensively scoring 89 points and no one showing up, no one hitting mm-hmm. buckets. And they just looked out of rhythm. PJ, he continues to struggle a little bit. Didn't love what you saw from him. Gordon Hayward took 11 shots. At least he took double digit field goal attempts, but 
not exactly the type of game you uh, want to see from him with LaMelo out. Terry is okay with a bad game every now and then when he's uh, played the way that he has. But what I also don't want to do is I don't want this to be a game that we point to as evidence and say, see, the Hornets aren't any good because, and they're not, they're, they're not what we thought they were. Like, I don't think this four in one record that they had without LaMelo is fool's gold. I don't think that at all. At some point, if you say, Hey, they're going to suck, they're going to lose badly to one of these teams. Well, at some point during even a 72 game season, you're going to be right. And we can't just point to that one game, despite having five contests of evidence that suggests that they're good. We can't just put all of our eggs in this basket and say, see, this is what we were talking about. This is how the Hornets aren't going to be good. Yeah, it was a bad game. A lot of teams have bad games. I don't think that they're ready to compete with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, literally the best teams. I don't think anybody should think that the Hornets are ready for those types of opponents. But one, the Nets were not that type of opponent last night. And I think that the Charlotte Hornets, they, I expect them to compete with Indiana tonight. Yeah. I expect them to compete with Boston. Uh, they should be favored against OKC on the road, especially with Shea out. So I, I expect them to continue to do the same things that we saw. It, it was a bad effort, and that was a game they shouldn't have played that badly. But we can also expect a lot better from them going forward. Both of those things absolutely can be true, and I think they are. No, I, I don't disagree with you there. It's just... Like it, for me, it comes back to this team is ahead of schedule. Maybe some people, maybe some fans, bit off more than they can chew visually, thinking that this team could be better than it was. And last night, yeah, it was a bad game, but I also think the strategy that the Brooklyn Nets used is something that teams can replicate if they're good enough. And I don't want to just re- re- I don't want to just reconcile it back to a bad game. This is something that we've seen over and over again. If people are hitting those corner threes, the Hornets generally get punished and generally they're not in the game for very, very long, unfortunately. And it was another team that did the same thing over and over again. It's the fatal flaw of this team. And it's something that when you get to a playoff type atmosphere, you worry is going to be the reason they go home fairly quickly, whether it's the play in or the playoffs. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say for this team, um, which is, I think, a good sign, is they haven't really lost any of those games in a while that they should win. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, their losses. They, and that's what good teams or, or, or teams getting better do. They handle business when they are supposed to. And so that's why I think you have to look for them to bounce back against Indiana and Boston. You know, two teams that are trying to find their way a little bit as well. But uh, that's why I'm with you, Walker. It's not... Um, it's not a fluke. I think that they, the four one record without LaMelo, I think they've done what they've needed to do so far this season. For the most part, you got to go back to like January or early uh, in the year to see a loss. That was really a bad one to a team they should have beaten. So as long as they keep doing that, which I think they can, um, you know, they should be okay. But yeah, like not, there are flaws in this team that are, that are just there and that are going to be there this season, right? Like to your point, they're not going to fix that. <laughs> they're not going to be able to solve that problem this year. And so that's just something that's going to keep biting them. And, uh, you know, it probably will be what ends their season at some point. But again, I think you're right. It's like, look, man, this has been way ahead of schedule. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and let's see how they close this thing out. 
All right. Yeah. We'll uh, take a quick break. Also need to talk about Malik Monk's injury, what we can expect from him going forward. Uh, Another bad thing that happened yesterday. But first, have you guys heard about sport trade? It's where fantasy sports meet the the stock market. This is amazing. Sports trade takes fantasy to the next level. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with sport trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. And the more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. Simply go to sporttrade.com, watch the quote how it works video, and then sign up and get started. Sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sporttrade.com. Malik Monk's injury, a couple of other topics we're going to address next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I do not like the MB2 nickname. That Lame- oh, it's bad. Lamelo, come yeah. on, man. I mean, look, I, I love everything else about you, but the MB times two. How in the world do you not like Airbnb, but you like MB times two? I yeah. that's that's bad. We can't allow him to create, and that's the that's the, the reason the rule exists. You can't give yourself your nickname. You can't do that. No, exactly. So, this is as I'm, bad as Kevin Durant wanted to call himself the servant. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders uh, the parts on his computer? Choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and they even have new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. And best of all, their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock auto.com. So some other bad news, despite just the loss and the overall awful game that they played, Malik Monk did go down with another injury. He was probable coming into this game and he was probable even before, and they held him out after uh reevaluation. Now you look at Malik Monk, he goes down with this injury and uh, we'll see how he's able to bounce back. He suffered that right ankle sprain in the fourth quarter. Uh, bad news for somebody that looked to be again, trending up after he had been thrown in the rotation. Malik has had a good season this year, ever since he started to get significant minutes. And when he came back, he played well against Houston. He played well, uh, the game afterwards, I I think it was Phoenix or I, I forget what game it was. Um, but he played well, two games in a row goes down with the injury was actually who the Hornets had to somewhat rely on early. And then of course he has this injury in the fourth. Not, I'll start with you. How scared are you uh, from what you saw about uh, Malik's injury last night? I, I think if Malik is out for any sustained point in time, this is going to be the one injury that I don't think that this team can sustain. Like, I think that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back, especially if Lamelo's probably not coming back this year. 
I have questions on to why Malik Monk or anybody of consequence was out there for that long in the fourth, knowing that this game was not competitive. I'm not blaming James Borrego, but I do have questions as to why (laughs) guys were out there. But outside, like, I just worry that this is going to be it. Like, because if they lose Malik Monk for two weeks, we talk about being able to compete with teams. I'm not sure how well they'll be able to compete with the better part of those teams on their schedule without a Malik Monk, especially if you don't already have LaMelo. Yeah. I mean, what made this team so special was just the depth they had running all those guys out, right? Like Gordon, uh, of course, Mello, Graham, uh, Monk. Um, and now you're down two of them, right? You're down two guys and, and you're right. Monk was really a guy they were counting on. And I was saying that last night when they were getting down 20, like this would be a great time for Monk to go off and give him a little spark. And he kind of did. It was just too big of a hole, right. but that's where you're going to see it really start to hurt. I think, I mean, he was someone you're really relying on now. It's got to be like, well, the other three guys have to do it every night. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, th- they've got to be pouring in 20 apiece each night. You can't have an off night. Um, so just going down that depth issue is, is going to be tough. I, I hope he's okay. It looked like we haven't heard anything, right guys. I mean, it looked like a pretty nasty ankle sprain though. Um, some sweet Kobe's, but, but a nasty ankle sprain for, <laughs> for Monk. Yeah. They couldn't save the ankle sprain. James Borrego said, hopefully it's not too severe. He said, quote, I feel bad for the kid. He's been battling. He's given us tremendous lift this season. So hopefully it's not too severe. I mean, he's going to be out for hurt a last bit. night. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I guess we don't have a ton of information on this right now as we record basically at 10 30 the next day. So hopefully we'll get some more information later on, but yeah, it, it looked pretty, it didn't look great. And then he got helped off of the court. And so that's never a good sign when you can't use a hundred percent or even, mm-hmm. you know, enough power for you not to need help. So hopefully Malik can come back. He's really had a good season. And I wonder if this affects his money, right? Because depending on how long he's going to be out, um, that's something else Malik has to worry about. So hopefully Malik is okay, especially with the kind of boost that he's given us this season. Um, Looking elsewhere, um, when David, I know you had some uh, topics that you wanted to discuss here as well. And, And I'll start with what we opened up the show with yesterday. I know you're a huge North Carolina Tar Heel fan. I grew up a huge Heel fan and, and not a, you know, even if you weren't a Tar Heel fan, we all recognize the importance that Roy Williams has not only on the state of North Carolina basketball, not just the program, but the entire state within itself and even college basketball in general to watch him retire yesterday. <clears throat> and then watching that press conference, him seemed to genuinely feel like he again, quote, was not the right guy for the job. These last two years, not winning, not being as successful, really weighed on him. And a lot of times like coaches do, he seemed to take that really, really personally hard enough to decide I'm not the right guy for the job anymore. You know, David, what did you think of the news yesterday as well as some of the things he said in his retirement press conference? Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a a retirement press conference quite like that. I mean, everything is different, of course, in the age of, of COVID that we've been going through for the last year or so, but you know, he was tremendously harder on himself. And like, we knew that to be the case throughout, but to, to, to see him up there really taking all of the blame for, you know, really the last two years, I think that's what weighed heavy on him uh, was, was wild. And I think hopefully with a little time to step back, you know, some of those feelings will, will ease for him because I, I certainly don't place all of the blame on him. Of course, he's a, 
he's the main guy in charge. But look, I mean, from my perspective, he saved Carolina basketball. He he, he brought it back to where Dean Smith had it uh, prior. And for, you know, a lot of fans now, uh, they don't know anything uh, before Roy Williams, which, which is crazy, uh, which is wild to think about. Um, but, you know, you, you think about what, what Dean Smith put in place and the fact that Roy was able to really replicate that in some people's eyes, improve upon that, and have some periods of success that even eclipse what Dean Smith did in his time is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's insane to think about. So um, for him to take those losses harder than he took, you know, the successes, the, the positives from the successes um, is obviously what made him great. But I think if you uh, cheered on the team and cheered on him, it was just really tough to watch. And, uh, you know, I don't agree with him. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that won't either, that he was not the right man for the job. I know what he was saying, you know, and I don't think he meant it, um, uh, that he couldn't do it. But I just think the landscape college basketball is completely different from five years ago, you know, much less 10 years ago yeah. with the transfer portal stuff. And, and, and it's just a different game, not even talking about on the court. It's just a different game. And, you know, I don't think he wanted to learn the rules or, or not learn the rules, but, but, but learn how to do a whole new game necessarily and said, uh, you know, maybe it's time for me to, to, to hand over the keys. And so from that standpoint, I'm, I'm happy for him that he can have some time with his family and do stuff like that. It was just, it was, it was incredible to watch. It had, it, it deserved a, a better, a better send off. You know what I mean? Like that just had the feeling of almost a, a funeral. And, and again, there were a lot of uh, reasons for that, but it was, it was, it was crazy to watch uh, a guy that, that had done so much for, for that place. His name is on the court. Um, take things so hard and, and, and exit like that. It was, it was just, <laughs> it was, it was shocking. But like I said, knowing what he valued and how he did things, it wasn't surprising given what we've seen over the last couple of weeks and what we know is coming down the pike as far as what is happening in, in college basketball. Yeah. Nada, what did you think of his press conference yesterday? That was, like David said, that was probably the hardest thing to watch because as David points out, this should have been a celebration. This should have been with a little bit more pomp and circumstance. And instead we got almost an hour of Roy simply telling us that he is no longer fit to have a job that he would, he could have literally died in office doing because he accomplished that much. I, 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 like I said, it was tough. It was very self-critical and clearly like the, I think the biggest thing that scared me for Roy in that comp in, in that press conference was the idea that he is scared for the, retirement phase of his life something that he should be looking mm. forward to is something that he is scared of the most and that that probably is really scary for those of us that are that identify with our jobs and our our livelihoods and what we're really good at that part probably is one of those things to make sure that you have a very balanced life because if not you become Roy Williams and not that's that may be a good thing on one end on the other end, it's just really sad. 
Yeah, there, there's so much to get to with that, and yeah. we can't. But man, that press conference was something to the tune of 45 minutes to an hour, and we could have about five hour, six hour discussion. I thought there was a lot to unpack. I thought that was interesting. What you said, Nada, where if you don't feel like you're fit to coach Carolina basketball and you don't know what to do with retirement and to be in that space of nothingness, that's really tough to hear him bear out to the public like that, where it didn't seem like he was able to grab on anything that he felt like he was good at at that point. And when he was at Augusta and all he could think of was (laughs) understandably this retirement press conference, but also God, I, I hope he can just go golf and spend time with the grandkids and spend time with his wife. I, I hope that he finds all the kind of solace in that, that he can, because you're right. Nada, that was interesting to see. And I think these guys transferring from him weighed on him. I, oh, yeah. I think, I think yeah. that was huge. Walker Kessler moving on. I don't think he, I think he was, I mean, hurt by that. I, mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I, you know, and it's ridiculous, right? These players deserve to do whatever the hell they want to, because coaches are allowed to do that. And it's, it's just unfair that players are, are not allowed to do that until this season. And that's why you see so many transfer portals. And so I, I get all of that, but to have this kind of change, Roy's not used to that. The, the guys that were transferred out of that program were all California boys that went back home. You know, that that's what it was before with Alex Davis and the Ware brothers, Larry Drew. And then you even see seventh woods go back to South Carolina. That, that was it. It was just dudes going back home. Those are the only kids to transfer. I think he developed strong relationships with these players and to watch him go after maybe he felt like, their time wasn't up yet. And then Walker decided that it was time. And maybe some of these other players did with no fault of their own deciding that, but still it, it was tough to watch. Anyways, we'll move on. We'll get to some other Charlotte Hornet centric topics coming up next. First bet online. AG is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA college basketball and the NHL, they're all in full swing. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Got one more segment to go on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I kicked the outlet past Doug and I let him run with it because you know what? He's going to do something that's going to be funnier than what I can do right now. I recognize <laughs> okay. my limitations and I'm going from there. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of that pressure. That was a lot of self-reflection within that teeing it up oh, for Doug. Man. <laughs> God. <laughs> Got a little dark. Don't, yeah, it really did. Uh, we did. We mentioned um, self lo- self loathing yesterday, <laughs> and now we mentioned this. Not are you okay, buddy? We're gonna we're gonna talk through it. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. You can subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. And we have a champion, Built Bar Madness. It's been going on all month long, and we knew who the favorite was going to be. It was just going to be a matter of whether they were able to get it done. And Nada, just as we predicted pretty easily, you were right. This is Gonzaga. Coconut brownie chunk ends up the built bar champion. Are you pleased to see that this is the bar that ends up being the best tasting bar voted on by the people? Absolutely. You know why? Because this just confirms that I can have at least a little bit of faith in people. Because if, <laughs> quite honest, if, if Cookie Dog Chunk won this, 
I was going to have a lot of questions about the voting public and the intelligence of the voting public on this built bar matchup. So I'm glad to see that people did the right thing, voted the right bar. And we look forward to Cookie Dough, uh, I'm sorry, Brownie Chunk winning again next year and making this a dynasty. Yeah, if they don't go pro, uh, then they'll absolutely win again this year. It's the right answer. I was surprised to see a couple of people say that Cookie Dough Chunk should have won. I think they're just trying to go against the trend. They're trying to be hipster. No reason to be hipster. Just go get the coconut brownie chunk. I will say this. You can do that right now on BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCK15 to go get the coconut brownie chunk. And I guess if you want to be hipster, that's fine too. Cookie Dough Chunk, I guess, is the second best flavor. So you can order that as well. Amazing taste, high protein, high fiber, low sugar, great for the keto diet. It checks all the boxes and it's covered all in hundred percent in chocolate. It's a fantastic tasting energy bar. The best on the market again, builtbar.com locked 15. All right, David, let's get to some of the topics that you dropped in the DMS uh, and you brought up air max day and you said it happened last week and it was lame. I was surprised oh my God. because look, I, and, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but I saw air max. And then I guess the second I read that before I got to the latter half of that sentence. I was like, yeah, man, Air Max is, they kind of ruled the roost in high school. When for me, when I was in high school, this would have been uh, like late 2000s. Everybody had Air Maxes. That was the thing. Oh yeah, there, there were so many people and they were sweet shoes. I had a pair myself. I really liked them. So why was Air Max day so lame last week, David? Oh, I love Air Max. I mean, right. the Air Max one is an all-time classic. I love the entire Air Max line. Uh, Air Max Day was a bomb because sneakers <laughs> won't let anyone buy sneakers. Oh, that's you right. You know, they go against their total, they go against their mission statement. It's become a joke. Not, I don't know if you were on there trying to grab anything. I mean, the lineup they put out for Air Max Day wasn't great. Uh, you know, they, they put out a, a new shoe that's kind of a mix of an old retro with some new tech uh, in a special Air Max Day color, uh, and no one could buy it. Um, so I think I'm just overly frustrated with the fact that, you know, buying shoes was not always good for me, but it was always fun. And now you, you just can't even, you can't do it. Like you, you can't get a win on there. And then they come out, they made up Air Max Day, guys. Air Max Day was never a thing. They just made it up a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. So it's supposed to be a celebration. And and it just, it gives more, it gives people more angst and more frustration. So it's just wild that that that's that's their idea of a good time now. Just pissing people off on sneakers. <laughs> but look, here's the thing. At this point, just sneakers is a social app. Sneakers uh, is yeah. just oh, a yeah. boost to your social. It's it's a good way to have a nice little f- picture on your Instagram feed or your Twitter feed. And that's just about it, because the idea that's of buying sneakers is better than the actual concept, because unfortunately, the actual concept doesn't happen on sneakers because Nike basically makes it really, 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 really difficult to buy them. Thankfully, I did not choose to participate in Air Max Day because I kind of <laughs> had the feeling it was going to be this. And mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly, Air Maxes, like I have one pair of Air Maxes. They were Supremes that no one really bought, which oh. surprises me. Which surprises me. <laughs> But they, oh, I have some Supreme Air Maxes. I rarely wear them. They've, they're generally very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, and at this point, like, that's all I really need at this point. Yeah, uh, the Air Maxes are sweet shoes. And like I said, I have a couple pairs as well, just like two that I had back in the day. And David, you also said that you've been trying to buy the latest UNC Jordan 1s for weeks, but 
you can't bring yourself to pay resale for them. How bad is it? How bad is that? Oh, itch? No. And you think eventually you're going to give in? Well, update on that, guys. Broke down late last night. In the wake <laughs> of, of course you did. And uh, I knew it was going to push me over the edge eventually. And uh, yeah, broke down. Had some credits on goats, so it didn't come out of the pocket for those. Um, there you go. Th- that whole thing was was infuriating me as well. You, you know, the Jordan 1s instantly go, once they drop from 160, 170, whatever, to freaking $400. I mean, it's just it's, oh, it's outrageous God. out here. But, uh, but yeah, you know, all these uh, pictures of Roy, especially over the last season when he's just dripped out on the sidelines wearing his, wearing his Jordans, I couldn't. It was just too much. I had overwhelming nostalgia and a feeling for something to comfort me late at night. <laughs> and it was the go out. It was the go out. Oh, one, one last one thing I saw yesterday that actually I appreciated on uh, April Fool's Day. And I generally hate, uh, you know, April Fool's Day Twitter posts, but this one was pretty good. It was that sneakers was going to shut down to reexamine how they distributed their sneakers, which I thought was funny because it's obviously not true. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. How exciting. I mean, did a lot of people fall for that and get excited that they were doing that? Or was it just kind of everybody rolling their eyes and saying there's no way this is happening? Yeah, it was a general uh, SMH emoji. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, of course. I'm kind of glad that you did it, though. Again, it's not my money and it's not my credits, but I am glad that you did it because those things are absolutely fantastic. Mm, um, nice. So, yeah, they really are. Um, a couple more things uh, real quickly. You, David, you're not as strong on the draft this year and the NCAA tournament doesn't tickle your fancy as much in years past. And I, I think that's kind of common for a lot of people that just didn't watch a ton of basketball because pandemic just altering things too much. It doesn't feel normal. So what has been your tournament watching practice so far this March? And how are you feeling about some of the prospects coming up in the NBA draft? Well, it's just interesting, interesting to me because this draft was supposed to be the big one, right? I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but last year obviously was a bit down. I mean, LaMelo uh, and Edwards, I mean, really the top three guys I think have, have, have done well for themselves and may come out ahead of maybe anybody in this draft? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've watched Kate Cunningham some. I I, I don't see a guy that's going to come in and even make like an impact like those guys. Now, who knows? I, I haven't watched enough, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's the sure thing that everyone thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think I, I think Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley are going to come in and be awesome. I, I think there's a top five that are going to be really good. I, I think what's fair to say is it's really hard. To, that's what makes LaMelo so special right now because yeah. it's really hard to do what LaMelo was doing this season. Okay. Even again, we've talked about it a million times, even the people that were so 100% in LaMelo's camp saying, my God, you know, number one overall pick, don't even think about anybody else. Even those people couldn't have imagined that he would have the advanced stats like he does, right. not just the counting stats, uh, not the kind of effect that he has on winning as a rookie, because generally they're just bad players. Even the good rookie, like Anthony Edwards is doing some really nice things now. The numbers on him are still pretty atrocious not, when you start yeah. to dig a little bit deeper. So I think I'm I'm with you to expect that from a Cade Cunningham who is legitimately awesome. It, expecting that is probably a little too much to ask for. I do think that you're going to get multiple rookies that are better than most rookies, all of them, but LaMelo in this one, right? Not like, do you feel mm-hmm. the same type of way? Or yeah. How do you feel about this draft prospect? I love this. I love this class. Yeah. Actually, I am. I, I am a little bit different. I kind of like, yeah, I haven't six, watched it. <laughs> I have watched about six or seven guys that 
okay outside of LaMelo, I feel like are going to be like, I think Kate Cunningham's in that LaMelo class of being sure. that special. And, okay. he, he's insane. Yeah. You're um, right. I would put Mobley slightly below, but then you have the Jalen Suggs and the G league guys that really did really, really, really well in the G league this year in that G league bubble. So I think this class is deeper. I think yeah. where where it do, where if you're the Hornets, where it doesn't help you is that Mobley's the only guy that you feel really really good about as a big coming in and making an immediate impact. So I, I, I like if you were thinking like the Wiseman class of big. Okay, cool. Wiseman, uh, Jalen Smith. That kind of big is not going to be there in this draft. That and that's the thing that the Hornets need. But everything else, the wings, the wings are deep in this class, really, really deep. And it's kind <laughs> of why I'm looking forward to this draft, no matter where the Hornets pick, because it figures to be at least twenty deep with rotation guys. So as long as they don't do too too well, as long as the Hornets stay within like that four to eight again, that four to eight range, they're guaranteed to get someone that's going to add and bolster to this rotation going into next season. Yeah, yeah. Do I you agree. think like do you think like uh, like a Halliburton would be a, a fair comp, or you think those guys are going to be able to make a bigger impact than even he has? Yeah, I think Halliburton has been really good this year. I think Cade and Evan Mobley could come in and have a bigger impact than Halliburton, which would be impressive. Mm-hmm. And and even I think there is a consensus top five now. Like it, it took a, a little bit to figure that out, but I think we've had it figured out for a while. After maybe I don't know the first little bit of the college basketball season. It's going to go Cade Cunningham one, Evan Mobley two, and then we'll see how it goes. The next three prospects. That's how I feel like it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And I guess depending on position need, whatever, maybe that alters it. But I think most people would have Cade as the number one prospect. Evan Mobley is the number two. Those guys are special. And then the next three are also really awesome. And then after that five spot, it's kind of a crapshoot. It's just about what you value at that point. But who would I, be I the next three? Who would you have them off the, the two Jalen's, the two Jalen's yeah. and Kaminga probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. Right. Like it, that I haven't seen so anybody no have in the a final di- four. Uh, so Suggs. none in the final four. Correct. Right. Suggs. Oh, Suggs is. Yeah. Suggs. Jalen Suggs. Yeah. we got, we got Suggs, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, those two guys and the G league. And that, that's kind of the top uh, five right now. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, and then we'll see exactly where the Charlotte Hornets are picking and who they'll decide to pick as well. Thanks again for joining us on this Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. That was a fun Built Bar Madness tournament that we went through this month. Also, thanks to rockauto.com. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA or any show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks again to David for joining us as he does every single, uh, every other Friday, I should say. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. Oh, 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 oh. before this episode of Locked On Hornets ends, I need to tell you guys about Sport Trade. It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sport Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players 
just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money on sport trade is simple as players' values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, it's good old supply and demand, baby. There's nothing more American. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and watch your portfolio rise. Simply go to Sport Trade, watch the How It Works video, then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sporttrade.com. Discover the fun and exciting and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You're going to be amazed. I promise. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sporttrade.com.